Coming up, I'm going to give you my easy system for getting through creative blocks. And then we're going to look into some data about income inequality and how it's driven by career role models growing up. Plus, we're going to coach you up. Let's go. Hey, we're helping you win at work. If you're winning in your work life, you got a shot at winning in other areas of your life. So here's what we're here to do. We're here to help you make more money, experience more meaning in the work. And let's talk about something we hear a lot about, which is uh, creative blocks. So many people want to do creative stuff on on social media. People want blogs, writing uh, video channels on YouTube. You know, And so when content creation, which I think is awesome, has taken such a prominent space in our society today and i love it right and if you are trying to constantly or at least consistently create content um, your creative process or lack of a process will hold you up and you can get stuck uh and so maybe you don't have a true process it's a little bit more like okay and that's become a process but that's more habits it's not an actual thought-out process that allows you to be creative, but also to be very efficient. Okay, so uh, you may not have a process. Maybe it's got too many steps. Maybe it takes too long. Maybe it requires too much analytical thinking and you aren't feeling enough, right? Whatever it is, your ideas are getting lost. They are incomplete or you're not coming up with any of the ideas at all. So it's time to upgrade. So let's talk about this. How do we do it? So here's my process, Okay. Uh, I think it's very simple. Two steps. A two-step creative process that will allow you to generate new ideas every day. Now, quick commercial before I go through this. I've done this for six years. Uh, In this particular role, I did it for years before. Uh, Joe Hankins sitting in the control room today. um, By the way, look at that shirt, folks. I mean, that shirt's on fire. And I don't mean literally. I think it's probably on fire. Uh, Alex just burnt his finger touching the shirt there. But but before I did this role for six years, uh, I, I was with Joe for three years, and I was doing daily shows. So I, I, here's what I don't like. I don't like when people go online or do stuff on social media, and they've taken someone else's content, and they've hacked it all up, and they come across as an expert, but they've never done it, okay? Here's what I'm trying to tell you. I have created content, short-form content, every day for years and years and years. So here we go. First step is, is isolation. It's alone time. It's just you, your head, and your heart. So there are three people at the table. <laughs> you know, all right? And so, okay, I'm here, and, and, and this is, by the way, what I love, and so I've got my two items. This is all you need. A moleskin, something to write with. Write on, rather. A pencil, and I do prefer pencil. And if you run out of the eraser there, look at this guy. Old school, baby. So three items is all you need for this two-step process. Isolation. Get alone, get quiet. Phone off, everything off, and quiet. That freaked some of you out right there. Freaked Alex out. He thought maybe I pulled a Mitch McConnell and just froze. No. It's the idea. Look at the guys in the booth. They're like, oh, gosh, I don't know if you could say that. Yes, I can. Quiet. 
there's something powerful about quiet. You turn everything off, and here's what you begin to do. You take that pencil, because it's not in pen, so we can erase it, and we begin to just write thoughts down. You could do this before you before you're looking for any content. If you're trying to come up with a job interview, you're the leader and you're hiring somebody, you go, what do I do? If you want to write uh, a cover letter, if you want to uh, write a book, if you want to write a song, here's my point. Quiet, isolation, and just start jotting the thoughts down. Get them out of here or out of here, so out of the head, out of the heart, and get them on paper. Seeing them written down helps you evaluate first, oh, that's crap, (laughs) or I think that's pretty good. I'm not sure about this one. I'm going to show it to somebody else. So that's the evaluate. And then we develop. You can look at it and go, okay, I wrote this thought down. Now, how would I turn this 20 words into 2,000 words? Just write it and get it out. Second step, be collaborative. I think to the extent that you're comfortable with this and how you do this step, you talk it out. Now, some of you would rather do it on your own. So I know friends who are great communicators who will take a, a first iteration, first draft of a speech, if you will, and they'll talk it out in front of a mirror and video themselves. Or they'll just talk it out in front of the mirror, forget the video, and they're just real time hearing it. Sometimes they'll video themselves. That is that is done in isolation. I, I'm fine with that. You're, again, you're talking it out and you're hearing it. But I really believe that the collaboration collaboration piece has to be there verbally process it with people walk it through with them look at their face one of the things i do with alex the producer and i've recently started telling him that i'm doing it and we did it before the show today i had an idea and and i don't want him to say anything i just like watching his face and i can tell by the way it's not because it's him i could do this with anybody my wife like i'm a talker and a pitcher and a promoter all right self-confessed I'm a promoter, pitcher guy, okay? But if I, but while I'm talking, if I throw it out and then I just look. And I did this today to Alex. I hit him with an idea and I stopped talking for a second. I just looked at him. And by the way, he's somebody that I trust because I know he's going to tell me the truth. He doesn't fake it. He doesn't, you know. So point is, that's the value of taking an idea and collaborating by simply throwing it up against somebody else and and seeing how they react. Maybe they don't even say anything about the idea. They don't give you three points and two things to change. But just, I like it. Okay. So if I get an I like it from someone that I trust professionally, now I'll tell you what that tells me. That's worth putting some more time in. But I have with you before thrown in an idea, and I can tell he's like, eh. And I go, all right, why the eh? And if he tells me multiple reasons for the eh, I go, it's not a good idea. We're moving on. So you got to read real people and go, is there something there? If there is, then we dive deep. Now, if you don't have a, I told you what to do, you don't have the yes, then you move on. But if you have a, I like it then you have done something that's powerful. You have empowered people around you to be truth tellers and give you real feedback. Now now you've got something to work with. And by the way, you don't always have to agree with them. Let me, let me tell you this. This is one of my favorite, favorite, favorite stories of history. This actually happened. 
So there's a book, by the way, that you can read if you want to dive deep on the relationship between C.S. Lewis and J.R.R. Tolkien. Are you kidding me? Two of the giants of fiction. Narnia and Lord of the Rings, The Hobbit. Come on, are you kidding me? So they were a part of a group of people that were called the Inklings, and they were creatives that would get together uh, in evenings, and they would bring their ideas to the table, and it was a free-for-all. What do you think? And as the legend says, there was an evening where they were all together. It wasn't just Lewis and, and Tolkien. They were a group of creatives. And, and Lewis stands up and tells the story. He goes, I got this concept, what we now know is Narnia. Can you imagine? And Tolkien, who, younger than Lewis, but looked up to Lewis, uh, you know, they're shooting each other straight. And, and Tolkien says, uh, I think it's crazy. Who's going to be interested in a story with a talking lion? <laughs> and this is Tolkien, the guy who had my precious, you know, I mean, you know, and orcs and and dwarfs and and uh, 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 elves. And I mean, all the things, talking trees. Tolkien goes, you got a talking lion? It seems a little weird to me. But here's the reason why we put ourselves up for that. Creativity is essential in every role in the workforce. May just be an ideation. You don't have to be writing something. But if you're creating content or you're trying to be creative, there's going to be a point where you get to a block. And I believe those two things, get it out of your head on paper and then bounce it off other people. Those two things are going to give you so much feedback and excitement and confirmation and direction that you'll never get stuck. I'm telling you, the good stuff is there. You got to get it out and bounce it off of other people. Then there's no stopping you. This is the Ken Coleman Show. All right, folks, welcome back to the Ken Coleman Show. I believe that we were all created to fill a unique role in our work. Everybody. I don't care where you're from, your racial ethnicity, your uh, religious background, how you vote. I just think we're all truly, uniquely, and wonderfully made and made to make stuff, make experiences, make people's lives better. That's what I believe. By the way, if you're going, I agree with that, but what is my thing? Um, the signature product that I offer is the Get Clear Work Assessment. It'll identify for you what you do best, that's talent, the work you really enjoy, that's passion, and then the results of your work that really motivate you, keep you motivated, that's mission. You get a purpose statement out of that, a deep dive report on all three of those areas so that for the rest of your life, you know, this is the right seat for me. You can get it at KenColeman.com slash assessment or KenColeman.com. All right. Now, to that end, this troubles me. And this isn't breaking news, but it's a different angle that I've seen this before and it troubles me. And I think that the best of us can all agree on this. I don't care what side of the aisle you're on. 
This ought to be a unifying issue. Because I believe that this problem right here speaks mostly to our human dignity. You know, Jefferson, whether you like him or not, the beautiful line in the Declaration of Independence that I often quote because it's so powerful. Life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. Life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. So, in other words, no one ought to take your life. Two, you should be free to live that life as you choose. And finally, pursue the results that you care deeply about in your family life, your spiritual life, your physical life. Like that's the pursuit of happiness. I, I, I want to be free to achieve this life, these results. That's, that's powerful. And again, our founding fathers flawed. I, there's great irony in that. And in the sense that there wasn't true Liberty in this country when those words were penned, and, and, and that's a deep and dark stain on our country. But nonetheless, the words penned do capture the spirit that every human has, this longing for what I believe are those three results. And that's dignity. You take any one of those three things, you take someone's life, you take their freedom, and you don't allow them to accomplish what they desire to accomplish, I don't care which three you're talking about, you've you've robbed them of dignity, the dignity of life, the dignity of freedom, and the dignity of contribution. And so this is a dignity issue. Gallup data... New data says that household income may play a role in young people's access to career role models. What absolutely does. The may word there is essentially saying it does it. It's not across the board that every time someone is in a low household income upbringing that they don't have career role models. That's all the word may means. But but unequivocally, the numbers are going to show you here that that lower income households, so children growing up in lower income households, uh, suffer from not having proper focus and true role models in what their financial and their professional future could look like. Here's the data. One in five, so 20% of working young adults say there was no one in their life who taught them how to be successful during middle and high school. So in the, the American reality now once we get kids in the eighth and ninth grade they start thinking about their future we just pound it into them right they get into the ninth grade and it's all about what school you're going to choose you got to go to college what college you're going to go to what degree you're going to get so you can get a good job and not be on welfare right 20 percent of working adults young adults in the united states said there was no one in their life 
who taught them how to be successful during middle and high school. Now, some of you, the most critical of you, would say, well, that's on their parents. They didn't parent those kids the right way. Maybe true, probably true. But I think we're focusing on, in this situation, the wrong issue because there is pain, there is poverty, and the kids are innocent. In other words, if a kid is born to a drug addict, it's not the kid's fault. If the kid is born to an alcoholic, it's not the kid's fault. If the kid is born in extreme poverty, it's not the kid's fault. I've been in the most poverty-stricken areas of our world. I've been in sub-Sahara Africa where people are living on less than a dollar a day. I've been to Haiti, which is, in my opinion, the most poverty-stricken country on the planet. I've seen the destruction of poverty and corruption that keeps people in poverty with my own eyes. I'm not sitting here in my very comfortable sweatshirt in my awesome air-conditioned studio, unaware of how bad it is for young people who are born into low-income situations. I've seen it with my own eyes. Almost twice as many adults who grew up in financially struggling families say this. So 20% of working young adults say there was no one in their life who taught them how to be successful professionally during middle and high school. 40% who grew up in financially struggling families said that it is the same issue. So there are large gaps among those who grew up in financially stable, we'll call it middle class and up, versus lower class. There's a huge gap between how they're prepared for their future. And this is a societal problem. This ought to freak us out. It really ought to. It ought to upset us. It ought to, it ought to say, wait a second. Where do we come in? I assume you agree with me. You ought to agree with me. Or I can tell you right now, you're a bad human being. You're a bad human being if you go, I don't care how poverty-stricken the the home they grew up in. I don't care that their parents were druggies or or alcoholics or just poor. And 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 I don't care. That's up to no, it's not. It's not completely on them. There's a cycle of brokenness we have to break. Gotta break the cycle. More on that in a second. Among young adults who had someone who taught them to be successful, 27% say say their role models were family members, and another 28% said they were a mix of family members and people outside their family. Now, what this speaks to is, is people who grew up in a middle class or higher economic situation had parents who were actually working and being successful, and so they saw it in the home. Great. That's number one influence. But they also maybe had sports programs, music programs, you know? Maybe they lived in a wealthy neighborhood where, or middle-class neighborhood where there was a skateboard park and there were other kids out there who wanted to be good skateboarders. You ever think about that? Sometimes it's who your kids are hanging out with. And they're hanging out with kids who are from families that are doing something. Uh, Then that rubs off on your kids because they go, if kids are hanging around people who are attempting to be something and do something, I'm telling you, it's huge. So quickly, what do we do about this? If public education is going to exist, 
we are going to have to get very, very serious about meeting these low-income kids where they are and show them that they can break the cycle. If they can't see it in the home, they've got to see it in school. They've got to see it in after-school programs. They've got to see it in sports programs, in music programs, in film programs. They've got to see that there is a way for them to climb out. And we, the people, can do that. We've got to start taking serious, what is it that we're actually teaching these young kids? Are we teaching them they got to get good grades just because? Or are we teaching them, how do I see a future to where I'm financially independent, professionally fulfilled? All right, let's coach some folks up here. Let's get to Daniel, who's uh, joining us uh, uh, from the Big Apple. Fun times. Daniel, you're on the Ken Coleman Show. Hey, what's going on? How's it going? Man, <laughs> it's going well. I'm thrilled to talk to you, man. I want to help you today. What, what are we helping with? Thanks, you too. No, first of all, I just wanted to say I appreciate you having me on the show. Um, I watched a couple of your videos. I'm a longtime fan. So uh, Thank you. Uh, just appreciate it. Uh, anyway, so I'll get right to it. Um, right now, I work for a software company uh, in the sales department. So I'm just like trying to, you know, like um, sell as much software licenses as possible. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's just my day job. And it's like very like tedious and repetitive, mm. you know, following up, circling back, reaching out to new clients, maybe a couple of networking events here and there just to, uh, have boots on the ground, so to say. Mm-hmm. Um, additionally, I have like a little sports podcast that I record at night. Nice. Um, where which I'm very passionate about, and I uh-huh. just kind of yell into the camera, and then just post <laughs> it on YouTube with what, some edits. What do you yell about? <laughs> well, I'm a Jets fan, so my life boy, is do you pain. have a lot of stuff to yell about? <laughs> and I, can yeah, I tell I you something really quick? Just a little bit of empathy. Yeah, go for it. I truly feel bad for Jets fans. I tuned in to the opening game of the year. Remember when when Aaron? Uh, I was there. You were there. there. Okay, when he runs even, when he I runs out of the tunnel, feet. you didn't what? Yeah, I didn't get. It, there was so much traffic on the way to the stadium that I didn't get to my seat, and he was already done for the year. That's how crazy it was. Did it just break your heart? Yeah, kind of. Okay. Well, you know what? You took. I'm glad you told me this because my question was: Were you in? I mean, how electric was it when he runs through the tunnel with the American flag on September 11? Dude, crazy. listen to me. I uh, was about ready to crazy. buy a Jets hoodie. I was that close. Uh, okay. Well, good thing you did. I yeah, I know. But I think he's coming back this year, and I think it's a yep. great story. It's gonna be one of the great comebacks of all time. Uh, but anyway, you on my podcast, talk about the Jets, but that's a different. Uh, uh, you know what? I'll tell you what. If we talk about the power, I I got a little topic for you. I will come on your podcast. As a matter of fact, uh, I'm going to put you when we're done with the coaching call. Uh, Christian, get his information, uh, connect him. I'm going to come on, and I got an angle to talk about Jets with you, and it's going to okay, be awesome. a it's going to be a leadership angle. What I'm seeing happening there. But that we we digress. I would be happy to be on your podcast. All right, now, so here you are, and you're selling software, and yes, the um, process itself is very tedious, and that's sucking the soul out of you. Is what I'm hearing and feeling. That's 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 definitely. But like, it's I I am learning tons from the experience great. of just like great understanding how companies, 
you know, on board from, you know, cause it's a relatively early stages of the company, the first yeah. couple of years where they don't really have, you know, tons and tons of clients yeah. and just understanding more about business and the budget and you know, who, who's a, who's a ideal client, et cetera, et cetera. Dude, let me tell you something. You know, if, if my buddy Alex Hermosi were sitting here with me right here, I'm telling you what he would say. He'd go, dude, you're learning how to sell at, at, at the base. You're just learning how to sell. If you can sell a software that you really don't give that much crap about and you can right. do it in a tedious way, dude, you're getting so much skill and you're getting so much experience right now. So you're not wasting your life. That's my whole point here. No, no. I, again, Plus I all the other things like that you said. No, I know you're not, but all. I wanted to encourage you. Okay. Right. That, that this is just, we're on one rung of the ladder. So right. why'd you call me today? Well, because the main reason for the call is just because as much as I'm doing whatever I'm doing now, and I feel like, like you said, I'm learning, I'm growing, I'm getting paid, I'm closing deals. I, um, it's just like, I obviously know this is not what I'm supposed to be doing with my life in a sense. Like it doesn't really take out my direct talent. And I've kind of just always had this deep seated confusion when it comes to like, traditional careers and like education. Like I went to college, I transferred, I couldn't pick a major. I didn't know what I wanted to do. Do I want to go into finance? Do I want to go to law school? Should I do this? Should I not do this? I was very confused. Everything is very expensive also. Like mm-hmm. people are like, people talk to me and they're just like, Oh, why don't you go to law school, dude? And I'm like, cause it's $200,000. Yeah, all like right. I not, got you. So it's not a walk in the park. Let's, and, oh, no, it's just, my point, my basic overview is like, I'm, I'm coming up on the quarter of my life, right? Whatever, yeah. I'm already at the quarter. I mean, hopefully not, but I'm turning 27 soon. And it's like, I just want to know for myself. Yeah. Is there a point where I just say like, okay, this is it. No. And then like, no, you're settling. Open myself up to. No, I'm going to, I'm going to interrupt. I'm going to interrupt you. Yeah, go. Okay. Because I think you know what you want to do. I've never met somebody who tells me they're confused about what they want to do who's actually didn't have an idea. And I do believe you're confused. I, I mean, absolutely I have ideas, but I don't like no. know whether they're realistic or I don't know uh, how to do them or I don't All right, so let me be the guy. Let not me, a lack of ideas. I know it's not. It's exactly what I just said. So let's go with the idea. If if I put you in a place on Monday morning on the path, all right? Or put you in the spot. Let's 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 go. Let's go completely fast forward. I put you in the spot. Maybe it's ten years from now. Maybe it's fifteen. But I fast forward all of that, and it starts Monday morning. And you don't have to commit to this the rest of your life, Daniel. You don't have to commit to yeah. it. But next Monday, I put you in this spot. This thing you've been thinking about. This idea. Because by the way, you've got ideas, and I'll guarantee if I put you on a whiteboard. The first one you write on the board is the one that you would love to do first, so I'm going to make I you have, spit I have it a out. whiteboard in my room. <laughs> What's the Thanks. thing that you would do Monday morning if you knew you couldn't fail, and I put you in it, and you got to try it and go all in? No risk. What's the thing? What would you do? Say it. <laughs> oh, I love it. He's try- Just say it. It's not silly. No, I don't. See, it's not. I don't have like a one thing. I, I do have yeah. several things. All right, give me the to top. Eat. All right, here we go. I'm going to re-engineer this. We only have a few minutes, so we got to you got to stop top thinking. Top five, top ten, top three, right now. Don't think. Just give me the top three. Go. I would love to work in television or movies. 
I don't, I don't know what capacity. That's fine. I'll, I would love I'll, to do television. comedy. Okay, comedy. What else? Um, I love talking sports. I uh, Well, I originally wanted to play sports, but that's not possible. Yeah, I get that. I would love to, like, like you know, Nick Wright and Colin Coward and Stephen A. Smith and Chris yeah. Hart. Like, yeah. yeah, so if I, I got you a show. Guys, like, yeah, so if I got you. So let me give it to you this way. Okay, now, you, now, now I'm going to give you three things, okay? By the way, <laughs> tell me the truth. Television and movies. But these are all dreams. I have bills to pay. These are dreams. These I'll are take care of that. that aren't no, feasible. not true. I was 31, 32 when I decided I was going to switch gears and I was going to go after broadcasting, and everybody told me I was too old. Don't you tell me it's not realistic. <laughs> I'll get you there. But you got to stop thinking and start feeling. Here we go. What's the role in television or movies that you would most love? Just tell me. Just say it. Just say it. You want to be an actor? Right. Yeah. Yeah. You're a performer, bro. Let me tell you what I see in these three things. I want to be an actor, baby. I want to do stand-up comedy. I want to talk sports and yell about the Jets. All three of those things scream one uh, thing. Unrealistic. No, they're not unrealistic. <laughs> they scream one thing. You're a performer. Your heart lights up when the pressure's on and you got to deliver something, whether it's in acting, whether it's a joke or whether it's an opinion. All of that, you're the same way I am. You're wired exactly like me. True or false? Uh, sounds about right. <laughs> True. All right, so True. how do we work into that? All right, so if you're going to be an actor, you live in New York already, so what I would be doing is keep crushing it in that sales role, and then maybe you have to transfer into a different sales role that allows you to sell at night, or be very flexible in your sales so that you can go do auditions in New York. Check. Ken just solved that one. Is that a grind? Yes. Is it going to take you a few years? Yes. But can you do it? Yeah, you can. You can audition during the day. Second, comedy. Here's the deal. Go go outside of New York an hour, wherever you can actually get on a mic and start telling jokes and see if you're any good. And if those work in the club, then you can start putting them on YouTube. Okay, and then third, you're already talking sports. So now you go, huh, let me see if I can make this work. What is the format that I could get out there and I could start testing on YouTube and podcast and see if it works? And maybe, just maybe, I can go in and I can get a part-time job at a sports talk station in New York, right? And, and again, you can sell. So the idea of being a remote salesperson is a very different work schedule allows you to chase all three of these things that's that's what i have now i have the flexibility perfect to work so now you got us so here's the deal this may take you five seven years are you willing to go five to seven years and stay yeah. with it are you willing i mean are you willing 100 i am willing but then you got to do it there's no but what's the but there is a but what's the, the but? but is i have a, i haven't i have a, i have a girl that's waiting for me to marry her that's the but does she have a job yeah do you have a job yeah. Now you're going to have double income. <laughs> and you're still doing the, everything that I told you to do, and now you have the support but, of an awesome But wouldn't girl. that just take away from the focus of that? No. Like, no, I had a wife. The other? No, you came to the right guy today, Daniel. I'm not having it. <laughs> I had a wife and three kids, three under the age of three. Don't tell me it's going to take away from your focus. That's unbelievable. That's really that's No, it's crazy. actually not. It's not unbelievable. It's believable because I did it. Look at the price of gas. <laughs> yeah. Bro, I did it. You can do this. So there it is. 
You you have a good job. You keep the sales job. You keep crushing it in sales. It gives you the flexibility to be able to audition or do comedy. And by the way, I try all three. Over the next 12 months, I would try all three of these things. You're already doing one of them. I would try all three and see which one of them you're best at and which one of them lights you up the most. There's no excuses, Daniel. And if you want me on your podcast, I'll light that podcast up with, with leadership insights and culture insights because I watched Hard Knocks. It'll be the best Jets content you ever had. Hang on the line. I'll, I'll, I'll be on your show. No excuses because I'm going to hit you after I'm on the show to see how much you've done based on what we just talked about. He's got this. He's got this. What about the girl? Go marry the girl. Do it anyway. This is the Ken Coleman Show. Thanks for listening to the Ken Coleman Show. For more, you can find the show on demand wherever you listen to podcasts and watch the show on YouTube. You can also find Ken across all social media by following at Ken Coleman.